Hi, good evening. My name is Chloe, and we're starting off the very first podcast with an interview of my partner. Um, his name is Chris, and let's just get into the details. Um, how are you doing today, first of all? Uh, I'm doing all right. How about yourself? <laughs> doing pretty good. I'm excited to kind of delve deeper into your background and everything else, so... Um, share with everyone um, how old you are. I'm 23 years old. Great. Um, what's your height and weight? I'm 6'5 and around 250 pounds. Cool. Uh, what is your current living situation? Uh, I live in an apartment with you, um, our dog Reese, and then we also have another roommate. Um, yeah. Great. Um, how would you describe yourself? Uh, well, let's see. Um, I don't know. Typically, I'd say motivated and energized. This year has been kind of wild, though. So, um, I don't know. That's that's a pretty big question. I mean, um, how would I describe myself? Um, I really try to think of others and be kind and, um, caring and all that, uh, Hi. Our dog is just looking at us. <laughs> okay. Um, good. And what is your highest level of education? I have a bachelor's in computer science. And what does your family structure look like? Um, so my parents, my mom and dad divorced uh, when I was young. And then my dad remarried my stepmom, who <laughs> um, I, I refer to as mom for all intents and purposes. And I'm not really in contact with my biological mom anymore. So um, unfortunately, my father passed away a few years ago. So my core family is pretty much my mom, my brother, my sister, um, and then you and Reese, of course. Or, Great. Yeah. Can we say her name? <laughs> yeah, that's oh, okay. fine. Hey, come here. Um, when did you move to your current living space? Um, so that's sort of a trick question because, um, I moved to California at the end of last year. Um, and then we moved into this apartment, you know, um, around the beginning of this year, but well, not this apartment. There we go. We moved apartments just a month or two ago within the same apartment complex. So, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Um, how would you describe your work history? Um, well, I mean, I worked a lot of part-time stuff in high school and college. Um, I lifeguarded pretty much all through my junior and senior year of high school. And then the summers associated with that. And then I did some IT work during my undergrad, um, for the student union. Um, and then I recently graduated as of last year. And the beginning of this year, I started doing some technical writing, some program management sort of stuff as a contractor. Um, and now I'm doing uh, game programming also as a contractor. Um, so I'd say it's it's pretty varied, fairly diverse. And, uh, and what do you do in your spare time? Um, I'm pretty big into games, video games. Um, so, and that's what I'm really trying to make a career out of as well. So it sort of goes hand in hand as a hobby and a profession. Um, 
like to watch NFL. I'm trying to branch out and watch other sports um, like the NBA Finals recently just wrapped up. And what else? Uh, I think baseball is coming up too. So um, really like watching football, but I'm trying to branch out. Um, what else? Oh, I've been going to the gym more lately, which has been really nice. Um, was sort of on pause with COVID and everything, but now that stuff is slowly but surely starting to open back up. It's nice to get into an exercise routine. Um, yeah, and then of course, you know, loving and taking care of our dog Reese and having little doggy play dates with her friends so sweet love that so yeah for sure I completely agree I love taking her out to see everyone it's it's awesome so now let's talk about achieving your identity and in emerging adulthood this is period from 18 to 25 um, a lot of us young adults experience what's called an identity crisis so we're just gonna do a little bit of diving into that and see how you're doing with that Uh, do you feel that you found your gender vocational political and religious identities um i'd say gender and um what was the political was the second one Uh, it was gender vocational political and religious Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not really sure what vocational means. Oh, it's like your work and your oh, job. Okay. okay, so gender, yeah, I'm pretty solid on. Uh, vocational, I have a general idea. Like, it's it's getting better and better and more refined, um, but I'm still not 100% sure. Like, I was thinking more programming. Now I'm starting to do more design stuff. Um, political, I think I'm, you know, pretty much where I think – you know, I am pretty solidly, but, I've, you know, I'd like to keep an open mind and, um, you know, open a discussion and that sort of thing. And then religiously, sort of same with political. I, I feel like I'm in the general um, area where I'm going to be. But again, like I'm open to conversation. I'm open to different ideas. So for sure, there was a little bit of hesitation there. But with what? <laughs> with the political, you're like, eh, uh. well, I mean, you know, I just don't want to uh, you know, lock myself down to a viewpoint, you know, I'm definitely like, you know, we have experiences in our lives and things change. Um, you know, uh, but again, like I feel fairly solid about where I am, but, um, you know. Okay. Um, would you mind sharing, um, how you identify gender wise, vocational wise, politically and religiously? Yeah. So, um, gender wise, I identify as a male man, um, I use he, him pronouns. Um, and then what were the other questions? I'm sorry. So it was vocational, political, and religious. Okay. So vocational identity. I, I consider myself, what? I think you said programming and design. You're just deciding between the two for games. Yeah. I guess like game. Yeah. I I don't really know what the word is because it sort of depends, but I I'd say like, Game programmer, designer, hybrid, you know. Game development? Yeah, game developer. Perfect. That's the umbrella word, yeah. Um, And then as far as political views go, I'd say I'm a progressive. Um, So, I mean, political party affiliation, like, yes, I'm a registered Democrat. Doesn't mean I agree with a lot of the Democratic Party. Um, I definitely am more on the progressive side of that um, situation. But, you know, in terms of voting and and making your vote count and all that, blah, blah, blah. Um, you sort of have to make compromises. So, and then religiously speaking, I mean, um, 
it's sort of like this black box that I don't really um, think about that often. I mean, I grew up in a very religious household, uh, both my mom and my dad. Well, mom is in Barbara again. Sorry, I'm not going to call her that. I'll just refer to her as Barbara from now on. But um, yeah, growing up with Barbara and then growing up with uh, my dad, those are both fairly religious. Um, and I sort of grew out of that. I mean, not that I'm like anti-religion or anything like that, but um, I've sort of just gotten this broader perspective of viewing a lot of religions sort of pointing to the same thing and the same end goal. Um, and a lot of the core essence of those religions are, you know, loving your neighbor and being kind to one another and doing the right thing. And that's honestly what I subscribe to the most. So I gotcha. So you're pretty solid in that and you're, you identify as agnostic maybe. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's it's weird. Like, I don't want to, because, I don't know. It's just something that I don't even really think. It's like I almost don't even have a religious identity, if that's a valid answer. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So you're still in that identity crisis phase right yeah. now with that. Um, and then maybe a little bit of political. But seems like you have your footing pretty well with your gender and vocational, which is probably pretty on track for, you know, our age group. I mean, I'd say political. I'd say I do have a pretty strong foot in it. Um, I just know that politics and religion are very sensitive subjects. So I don't want to say, oh, I'm hardcore on this and I'm not open to any discussion because that's not how anything happens. Um, You know what I mean? So, um, but I would definitely consider myself a progressive Democrat if we wanted to put a label on it. So, okay. Um, We'll just move on to the next question. (laughs) What do friendships mean to you and how has your view of this changed over the years and then more specifically through the pandemic? Uh, I mean, friendships are super important, just relationships in general, whether that's family, friends, um, you know, romantic relationships. But yeah, friends are friends are huge. I mean, I think I learned the more experience, life, all that stuff. Um, And my parents have been saying this for years, but, you you know, you like a lot of things your parents say, you sort of have to experience it to really believe it. Um, You know, friends sort of change um, with the seasons, I guess. I mean, yeah, you might have a a few core friends that you can always rely on here and there, but just, just being accepting that, you know, a big thing is you have different friends for different things. I mean, you might have some friends that are a lot more fun to go out with. Um, You have friends that are more into some of your hobbies. Um, You might have some friends that are just, you know, more laid back and that sort of thing. So just understanding like, what friends are good for what situation um, and not taking it personally when they're not. I mean, I, I've definitely experienced like some high school friends that maybe I thought I was closer to or thought I was on a same level with that maybe I wasn't and, and that's okay. But it's just something that I think we learn that your friends change over time. Um, you know, and that, that's not to say, again, you can have a few core friends or anything like that, but I'm just learning to sort of adapt and grow and, and, you know, and how has this view changed over the years and through the pandemic? So, I mean, th- over the years, I mean, I think a lot of people think they go into, you know, high school or whatever. And are like, yeah, these are the friends I'm going to have for the rest of my life and college and all this stuff. And like, that may be true, but it's probably not going to be in the same context that when you were in high school or college. Like, you're probably not going to be, you know, hanging out with them all the time or messaging all the them all the time maybe just checking in every few weeks or so or or maybe even more or less than that i mean it's it's really on a um per basis whatever um as far as with covid goes um you know it's it's been honestly it's kind of sad but it hasn't really changed things a whole lot um anyway because 
I just moved my life across the country, you know, less than a year ago. So either way, COVID or no COVID, I would still be experiencing a lot of the same things of, um, you know, just a lot of my friends being at home um, and making friends here and, and what that's like and all that. So um, in terms of COVID, though, I mean, yeah, it's been difficult because I haven't been able to go out and socialize as much. So I, I haven't really been able to build a network here, which has been difficult. But um, either way, you know, moving across the country, people that I've known for a longer time are going to be remote in quotes, you know, anyways. So um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you value most in a friendship and or relationship? Um, I mean, it's just it's ringing in my head right now. Trust, I, I think, is super important. Um, that's the building block of any relationship, honestly, is being able to trust. Uh, having that trust mutual between both parties is huge. And then from there, you can grow and build on, um, you know, so many other awesome things. Uh, but yeah. Um, how have your friends changed over the past decade and how have your relationships changed over the past decade? Um, wow. I mean, a uh, decade, it's like half of our lives at this point. Um, right. yeah, I mean, I sort of like, like that whole theme of things changing. I mean, um, you know, I, I moved, uh, through different households when I was, when I guess we're talking about before the last decade sort of leads into this decade though, where when I was younger, it was between my dad and Barbara's house. Um, so I had different friends in different places. And then um, I think kind of what I was getting at though, like when going into high school and college, I think I really did believe that like my core friend group from high school was gonna be like the group, you know, for the rest of my life and all this stuff. And like, um, you know, not to discredit them or discount them or anything, like I still enjoy and have a great time with them, but it's a lot more, I'd say, casual fun than it is like a deeper relationship where I'm actually talking about like complex things or like, um, I don't know how to describe it, but just, just sort of relying on each other more. It's more of just sort of like a fun, casual group of friends that maybe I was closer to at one point, but I'm just not as much anymore. And that's okay. Um, and that's sort of what I'm learning that it's okay for friends to change. And maybe friends that, you know, I, I wasn't as close with before. I ended up being a lot closer with down the road. I had a, uh, I have a good friend from college that, I met as a mutual friend that I sort of knew as an acquaintance for like my first year of college and then he became one of my best friends throughout college. So, so how have your friends changed? So is it like your friends are, were of convenience back in high school and now they're because they're your friends because you have similar either vocational, um, identities or similar, you know, political identities or religious identities, um, how have those, how do your friends from the past decade compare to the friends that you have now? Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, it's a lot of good questions being asked there. Um, so in terms of friends different than now, um, or out of convenience, I mean, I think that a lot of our first and a lot of our relationships are built initially out of convenience um, you know, meeting, having similar interests, uh, going to the same place. And, and that was a big thing in high school and a shift from college is that in high school, you were forced to be with 25 other people in seven periods every single day, like it or not, you're going to be spending time with these people. So you sort of build those relationships out of that convenience of, Oh, Hey, I, I'm talking to this person, whatever. Um, in college, it was a wide awakening for me that, you know, that just didn't really happen. Like you really had to go out of your way to make 
friends and relationships, that sort of thing. Um, so I'd say that was a big distinguishing factor in like just making new friends. And then in terms of what's changed, I mean, yeah, I think, um, you know, I do have friends that aren't of similar political ideology, but it definitely is more difficult, I'd say, to like have those deeper conversations or to to really build that relationship that much further. Um, religious identity, to me, it's not really as big of a deal because I feel like most people with religious identity still find a way to either just keep that to them. I mean, unless it's totally just dominates every conversation or just gets in the way of everything, you know, that's one thing. But generally, I don't really none of my friends are really like that. And they may be strong uh, one way or another, religious or not religious, but it doesn't really seem to get in the way of, of things. Um, Do you so. share similar gender vocational interests? What seems to be the primary thing that bonds you to your friends today versus back then? Um, Today versus back then, I mean... I think it's really in terms of like, I sort of got circled back to the beginning was trust, like of just friends that I can rely on and depend on, I think goes further than any of the vocational stuff. Um, now it's fun to have friends with similar hobbies and interests and that sort of thing. And that's great. Like, that's awesome. But, um, I think now, you know, the biggest thing for me when building relationships and building friendships, if they do go to a deeper level is really focusing on like who I can trust and that sort of thing. Um, but that being said, I think, being able to distinguish, oh, these are friends I can casually hang out with and have a good time versus these are friends I can actually have a conversation with uh, when I need help or something like that. So, Okay. Do you feel well-supported and cared about? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, how do you envision your future family? Um, let's see. I envision it with you, me, and Reese and probably a few kids and just really honing in our values and um, focusing on being good to one another um, and really just trying to live our lives to the fullest and not waste any time or waste any days. Um, That being said, not trying to overwork or anything like that, but just really trying to live our best lives, you know, because our time is so precious. Cool. Uh, Would you describe yourself more as an introvert or an extrovert? Um, yeah, it's kind of funny you asked that because I'd say if you asked me a few years ago, I'd say more extroverted, but I think over the years I've turned more introverted to the point where, yeah, I mean, I would probably identify myself as an introvert at this point. Okay. And how has that impacted your relationships? Um, it's, it's really, it's sort of the common theme of, I'm sort of consolidating and really focusing in on like, um, really trying to focus on those deeper relationships of the people that I can trust and have, you know, deeper conversations and that sort of thing with and being a a little more selective, I'd say, and not feeling like I have to put myself out there and be there for everybody as much, you know, or be, you know, the person always, you know, doing stuff for the friend group and organizing stuff and that sort of thing and being a little bit more reserved and a little more selective, I'd say. Okay, so maybe you've had a little bit less interactions with your friends would you say that you'd have to recharge more by yourself so that you can engage with everyone yeah yeah i'd say that's that's pretty fair yeah okay um we'll also talk about um, your maturation and growth um this is in regards to your cognitive domain um i'd love to learn about how your beliefs about the world's um 
and your own potential have changed since you were a child? Um, yeah, sure. Do you want to ask anything more specific or just sort of like... So, well, I can like break it down so that it's easier to understand. So when you were a child, um, what did you believe about the world? What did you believe about your own potential? Um, okay, so as a child, um, I believed, let's see, about the world. I mean, I believed that, I mean, it was probably, I'm trying to think back. I mean, um, I mean, I, I was, again, I was raised in a really religious household. So I thought that God in the Christian context is the answer, is the only answer. And to the point where my my dad would even rein me in and be like, you know, you don't need to be telling other people or trying to have other people like win them over to your side or anything like that. Um, you know, so that was in that context growing up. And I think I probably thought a lot better of, um, you know, like our elective officials and industry and stuff like that. And just sort of thinking that why would, you know, elected officials and industry not be trying to take advantage of people and, how sorely um, I've been wrong um, and just a lot of things in place. Like, you know, of course the stuff this year with the police uh, brutality stuff, I remember like in high school, probably or middle school being like, well, why do people hate police? Like, I just can't understand it. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from being in such a protective bubble. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm super appreciative for growing up in a good community and, you know, good schools and all that but it sort of sheltered my viewpoint to think oh everything works as intended it's a well-oiled machine and why are people complaining about these things that are probably non-issues um you know and and yeah uh and i was really wrong about that um so what what was the second question i or part of it so the second part of that um was about your own potential so as a child did you believe that you were going to be something specific and um, how would like little you think of you now? So um, I, and again, I'm blessed my parents. Like now I wouldn't say they made me feel like I'm invincible to the point where I'm outside of the bounds of reality, but my parents were really encouraging to me and that like, if I did set my mind to something, I could do it and I could get it. It's just how bad did I want it? Um, you know, which I really respect and I really appreciate. Um in terms of a kid, I mean, a lot of my, my philosophy of, of how I live and how I tell other people if they, you know, want advice or whatever, is just living life to make 10-year-old you proud. Um, I feel like 10-year-old you sort of idolizes the things that you want to be and making good on that promise to your younger self. I feel like we all owe it to ourselves in some point to not just sort of settle or, or status quo or, you know, and there is compromise and that sort of thing, but I think really just um, following your, your child heart, um, and really achieving those goals. Um, so as 10 year olds, you like, what were some of the goals that you had out for yourself? Like, what did you view as your own potential when you were a child? And how is that different to how you view your potential now as an adult? Well, I mean, I'd say that I'm, I'm fairly in line with where, 10-year-old me goals-wise was. I mean, 10-year-old me was into tech and video games, which is basically what I'm in, you know, working on now in a full capacity. Um, I'd say there was a little bit of a shift there a few years ago in college where, or in high school in college, where I was sort of feeling like I sort of lied to myself and that, oh, I can't really do games as a job. Like, 
that's not a real job or like I really have to make a difference in the world by doing um, physics or engineering or these things that are contribute to people's lives. And um, I, I sort of had that epiphany moment of like, you know what, like, I need to make myself proud. I need to really enjoy what I'm doing or else it's not going to be productive for anyone. And just by putting smiles on people's faces, by working in entertainment, working in games, I feel like goes a long way, um, you know, because what is all work and, and everything we don't have, you know, things and time to enjoy. So, yeah, great points. So earlier you mentioned that, you know, you're a progressive and Democrat as the definition when required to pick, um, (laughs) How would you say your political ideologies have changed? Um, Have you always thought this way? Were you previously of a different thought? Um, And what was the catalyst for making that change if there was a change? Yeah, sure. Um, So growing up, like I said, in fairly religious households, surprise, surprise, also fairly conservative households too. now, I wouldn't say that it's a lot of it it wasn't far right by any means, you know, more centrist but leaning right. Um and that was pretty much my political ideology up until junior year of high school or so and I really had no other reason to think otherwise because I lived in a bubble, it was great. Um I really didn't have anything to complain about and I was just like, well, why are these things issues? And I did have sort of a stronger religious identity um and a lot of um conservative viewpoints go hand in hand with a religious identity, which I don't think is appropriate, but that's a totally different conversation. Um, and that's sort of where I was. Um, and really what happened was, um, this is going to sound super corny, but, um, Kendrick Lamar and I mean a lot of hip hop, uh, but especially him, um, I sort of got into in high school. Um, and it really sort of made me think differently about the world, about a lot of issues that, I never would, never faced, I hopefully never will face, um, of just what it's like to live um, on the other side, so to speak, um, you know, because I always took my living situation for granted and thought, you know, oh, it's it's okay, but it could be a lot better. No, it's it, it was really good, at least compared to the the status quo. Um, so that, that was a big change. Um, and then, so in high school, then I started, I, I'd say I went from central right to center left. And then, um, it was probably in the past few years, I've gone further left, um, in terms of like progressivism and really being aggressive with change. Um, because I think my ideology a few years ago was, oh, you know, let's meet in the middle and all this stuff. And like, I'm all for meeting in the middle and that sort of thing. But like, there's so much that needs to be done in being the status quo change is not going to be enough to push us to where we need to be in in terms of you know especially like the rest of the world so okay so you would say you've maybe become more left-leaning because you're trying to push for more change to be comparable to the rest of the world yeah i mean i kind of threw in the rest of the world thing there at the end i think just in general like our society is so behind um and the, the thing with the progressive viewpoint is I don't know how these views are so radical. And so, you know, you know, the radical left and liberal, whatever. I mean, just I personally, my viewpoint is if it's comes to human quality of life. And I know that can be argued um, in any context, but in terms of bare necessities, like in terms of healthcare, housing, um, you know, just basic 
human needs. Um, that I think there needs to be some serious government intervention. Um, I call me crazy, but I, I feel like if you put private sector into healthcare, um, if you put private sector that isn't heavily regulated by government um, into housing, you're going to have these um, people lobbying and fighting, um, you know, to upcharge you as much as they possibly can. And these are human rights, right? Our human necessities. Um, that being said, I'm all for the free market in terms of like, for industry and stuff, that's great. Industry made airlines cheaper and more affordable for everyone to be able to fly around the world, which is awesome. Um, technology, I work in tech, I work in games. Competition, the free market's great. But when it comes to human necessities as being government um, regulated or government operated, I don't understand why that's such a radical idea because everybody should have a fair shot at those, you know, education's another thing too. I mean, um, so... For sure, especially when those are the biggest things that contribute to a higher socioeconomic status. Right, exactly. And it's like, I think the biggest shifting factor too is I always thought growing up, you work hard, you get successful, you reap your benefits. That is great in an ideal fantasy world, but that is just as utopian as a perfect communist society. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you literally cannot work hard and just build your own whatever. I mean- you can, but you've had to have either significant advantages going into that, um, you know, and, and I fully, you know, my parents, you know, full disclosure, paid for undergrad. They helped me out along the way. Um, I had no trouble financially growing up whatsoever. Um, and I t- kind of took that for granted because I'm like, oh, well, I mean, that's that's basically what everyone gets. And it's like, no, it's far from it. I mean, um, and because of those advantages and opportunities, I'm able to be where I am today which I'm very fortunate for. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm proud of myself for doing that. And then you have the situation where people have everything going for them and they still throw it away. And it's like, you know, so. For sure. We need to fight for a more equitable society. Right. I completely not, agree. not, I mean, believe me, I'm for equality. I don't want to say I'm for, I'm not for equality, but more than equality equity. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, probably like a huge thing that i admire you for i appreciate that um what stereotypes have you been able to re-examine and eliminate um not about myself just like in general you mean or yeah so what are some stereotypes that you've that you previously held um that you were able to like evaluate and say you know like that's not an accurate stereotype um i'm going to eliminate that or work towards not having that be a stereotype um i can't think of anything explicit i mean so i'm sort of thinking right now and i don't know if this counts or not but you know the saying that like you can't have good without god Mm. i used to think that was like you know yeah well god isn't everything even if you don't and now i think like you know no yeah you can be good without god because i feel like god is this big ambiguous term that depending on who you talk to, God means a different thing. So yes, there is such thing as just someone doing a good thing with no religious context. I don't know if that counts as a stereotype or not, but... So you'd be stereotyping good as being associated with God? Yeah, yeah. And when or how did you go about re-examining this stereotype? I don't think that that um, was really like an overnight consensus. And I'm like, wow, you know, I think that good can be without God. I think sort of just over time, though my views have changed when those conversations are brought up or when I do see it somewhere like on Facebook or whatever, it's like, I start to think, "Mm, I'm not so sure about that. Um, So it's more of a gradual shift change, I'd say. 
So, like, social media definitely is a catalyst for that, it sounds like, through Facebook. Um, I'm guessing other levels of media that aren't necessarily social media have also contributed and education in the space. So the social media, um, I wouldn't really say that Facebook, I, I brought that up, doesn't really, like, catalyze my views or anything like that. It's more so just, like, examples of people's views. It's just feel like shotgunning them out there to the world and I just look at it and just like I guess it's just a sort of like a a database of stuff I can look at and evaluate so maybe you know in a in a smaller way yeah but um and then in terms of media like articles that sort of thing I mean um or or the tv or news or whatever um I mean I guess I don't know because you know and it's horrible now we have this discreditation of media, you know, fake news is literally a term in 2020 <laughs> that uh, George Orwell talked about in 1984. And it's like we're living in that reality, which is crazy. But, um, you know, um, sorry, I think. And then education has also. Oh, yeah. Education. Education has been huge. Um, honestly, if, if anything, I like I said, uh, is music was the biggest thing that sort of started that catalyst and that hunger and then i sort of went to go seek it out um that much more but yeah okay and what would 10 year old chris think of 23 year old chris um i think that he would think that he um is doing his best and uh is doing everything he can to make him proud and uh he's really happy to see that is there anything that you could be doing better to make 10-year-old you proud? Honestly, I don't think so. I think <laughs> I've done everything. Like, I still build Legos. I play video games. <laughs> I'm making video games. Like, you know, I love hanging out with, like, my brother and sister who are 10 years younger than me. Like, they are 10-year-old me, basically. So, and my brother is, like, super excited to hear about, like, job opportunities and stuff that I work on. So, you know what? I'm going to say no. <laughs> like, this is my this is my philosophy that I'm going to the hill I'm going to die on. So <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> that's great to hear. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that you're living your best life. That's that's awesome. Um, what type of learner are you? Are you auditory, visual, kinesthetic? See, I don't know. I never really got that whole learning category thing. Like, I guess you could say I'm visual, but like, um, you know, I don't know, because like I, I can pay attention enough listening in lecture and that sort of thing. But I, I feel like everybody is like best at like reading or like seeing something performed and then doing it themselves. And I don't know if that counts as visual or what, but um, and then you said kinesthetic is that I don't know what that is. I mean, it sounds like movement, but yeah, so auditory is listening, and mm. then visual is watching, observing, right, right, right. and kinesthetic is doing it on your own with your hands, or like taking on a project yourself to learn. Yeah, I mean, in terms of programming, and just in le- learning in general, I feel like there is no better way to learn than just doing it. So if that's kinesthetic, like I guess it's kinesthetic. Great, and um, did you figure that out through programming? Yeah, I think programming was a huge, and just a lot of math and science classes in general, like, and I kept thinking, like, what's the secret sauce, or what's the recipe to, like, doing better at this stuff, and it's just doing it, I mean, it's just doing it in a smaller context, and building on it, and building on it, and getting more and more complex, but just, you know, I remember, like, like, hard calc exams, like, 
just do practice problems and you're going to get better. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much it. I gotcha. What do you wonder? Um, I wonder <laughs> what the election is going to be like. <laughs> uh, I wonder where our country will be in 20 years. Um, I don't know. I wonder where I'm going to make it in games. Uh, you know, I wonder, you know, what our kids are going to look like. Um, <laughs> you know, I wonder what my brother and sister are going to end up doing with their lives and where they're going to live and what jobs they're going to take on if they decide to go to school, where they're going to go to school. Um, I wonder if the planet will be livable in a hundred years, let alone 50. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> For sure. Do you think of these as stressful things? Um, I mean, some of them, yeah, like the planet being livable in the election, but stuff about um, like us and my family, that stuff is awesome to sort of think about. And it's it's funny to say, what do you wonder? I don't think about this stuff, maybe some of it regularly, <laughs> but I wouldn't think about sort of the more fantastical things like, like I said, what our kids would look like, what my brother and sister are going to do, um, all that stuff on a regular basis, which honestly is way more fun to think of on a regular basis than an election or whether the planet's going to die. So maybe I should spend more time <laughs> thinking about that. I like that you're thinking about things that are really important right now, though, because these are like the election is definitely a huge issue that, oh, yeah. you know, if, if we don't make a difference now you know the the planet is that much more likely to die sooner than later i think right. and i think everyone can agree with that and, and circling back to the whole like progressive democrat thing like yeah i'm not super jazzed about the candidate right um for president but if we do want the planet to be in a somewhat livable state i do we do have to make compromises and go with the candidate that a has the most likely chance to win because i'm sorry green party or whatever is not going to um you know and then be follow through on that and just even if it's one percent the right direction just slowly as fast as we can but slowly you know pushing ourselves into that direction before it's it's irreversible so yeah great um next topic i want to talk about is our body development in emerging adulthood and this is like in regards to the biosocial aspect of our development okay so, do you have any predispositions to any diseases? Um, I mean, not to get dark, but my dad died of colon cancer. So, I think that there is definitely, like, a chance there that I could get colon cancer. The good thing about that is that it's 100% preventable if you get regular colonoscopies um, and can be regulated and maintained with a good diet and exercise. So, fortunately, um, you know, there's that. Um I mean, my Barbara, like she has bipolar disorder and uh, my grandfather does on his side or on my dad's side. Um, so I guess, I don't know if you call that a predisposition, but I've, I've met mm -hmm. with, um, you know, psychologists or psychiatrists and counselors and they've all hard shut me down that I have any predisposition on us. I mean, um, you know, psychiatrically speaking or mental chemistry speaking, I'm not predisposed to it, but like it's in my or you're history. Pre you're yeah. predisposed to it is your family history, but you don't have that, like you don't experience bipolar disorder. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And I think that I do have a predisposition to alcoholism, I think is somewhere in my dad's side, probably on Barbara's side. 
I shouldn't say probably, but um, she didn't really give me the best genes. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, yeah, I'm definitely predisposed to and do suffer from generalized anxiety. Um, I know my dad had, I think, a mild form of it, and his dad, um, and you know, not even biologically speaking, but my mom's dad, uh, grandfather, you know, had anxiety in college and stuff like that. We're not biologically related, but I mean, um, yeah. I gotcha. So if we had to sum it up, um, you have predispositions for colon cancer, um, bipolar, addiction through alcoholism and anxiety. That sounds about right. Um, what precautions are you taking to, um, take care of yourself in the event that you do encounter any of these illnesses? So colon cancer, um, I mean, I had to say it, I haven't been the best about diet, been better about exercise, um, over the past like month or two, few weeks, um, in terms of like, you know, colon cancer prevention, I have gotten a colonoscopy before. I will plan on giving them regularly, probably every few years or so. Um, so there, those are the steps to take, um, trying to do better about diet. Um, it is so tough though with COVID. Um, honestly, I'm probably using that as an excuse because we're home, we can cook more, but whatever. Um, let's see, in terms of the bipolar, there's not really anything I can do, um, because you sort of either have it or you don't, um, which is a positive or negative depending on how you look at it. But, um, so there's nothing really I could do there other than just like being open about it with counselors and psychiatrists being like, Hey, look, my... Barbara has bipolar. My grandfather had bipolar. Is there a chance I could? What can I do to prevent it? Um, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as anxiety goes, um, I mean, it. ideally I'd be seeing a counselor. Um, I haven't seen one in about a year, I think, since I moved. Um, you know, it's just with COVID and everything, like, you know, of course, like, it's 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 been tough. I mean, it's there's, there's no sugarcoating it. Um, so it'd be nice. Um, and that's something I'm thinking about actively getting back into, um, medication. Um, I've been on medication, uh, for about two, maybe three years now. Um, but then also after just talking with, um, counselor before and that sort of thing, and just being very careful to not self-medicate, um, with like third party drugs in terms of alcohol or, um, you know, marijuana or anything like that and being very self-conscious about, um, and even I'm, I'm prescribed, uh, Xanax as needed, but I walk a very fine line and be sure to not use it unless I absolutely feel like I need to and not self-medicate and that sort of thing. Um, in terms of, well, you kind of mentioned it already, oh, but the alcoholism yeah, addiction, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just being very careful to not self-medicate, not use it or, or whatever drink, um, to, deal with a problem or avoid something but um just out of like when you're feeling confident and you're feeling okay and, and you know healthy or whatever um being okay with yeah you know i'll have a drink or two or, or that sort of thing but yeah yeah it's it's nice to live with someone like that because i <laughs> i can't stand the taste of a lot of alcohol so yeah that's pretty good so along that note, um, how would you describe your quality of sleep, your quality of nourishment and exercise? Okay, quality of sleep. Um, yeah, you just yawned, so I guess I'm guessing not too well. <laughs> okay, actually, no. Um, okay, so fortunately, because of COVID, we don't have to commute, so I'm definitely getting like 
I have the opportunity to get as much sleep as I need, which I didn't really. Well, I mean, if I plan my time better, I probably would have. But when we were going to the office and commuting and all of that, like you do lose a significant portion of your day. You have to get up earlier, go to sleep later, that sort of thing. Um, so in terms of like that, yeah, it's better. That being said, the past few weeks or so specifically, I, I haven't been sleeping as well. Um, honestly, it's probably because in our new apartment, we have a garbage truck that comes by. Like I feel like every morning at like 6 or 7 a.m. But I don't know, it's sort of nice being up when the sun's getting up. So, um, uh, you know, honestly, sleep sleep is, is pretty good. Um, so nourishment, you know, could be better. Um, it's definitely, okay, it is better than it was during the peak of COVID, like the summer. That was bad. We were eating out, uh, getting, ta- or not not even takeout, just like fast food, like several times a week. Like That Taco Bell phase, man, that was good. rough. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it, it's gotten better. I still wouldn't say it's like where I want to be. Like we're probably eating fast food maybe once a week or so, maybe twice on a bad week, but... I feel like we've been better making better choices and we're eating out to like going to sweet greens a little bit more. Um, and we have been like, I say cooking very generously at home more, um, you know, just pasta, rice. Um, and you, you've been sort of, uh, going on to more vegetarian stuff lately, which has been good for both of us. Um, so I'd say, okay. You know, I'd probably give myself three stars. <laughs> it's gradually improving. Yeah. Yeah. Reese, Reese. Um, and then in terms of exercise, I'm actually really proud of myself. Like a few months ago, I wasn't going to the gym at all. Now I'm going almost every day. I'm doing a healthy mix of cardio. Um, I'd say probably like 33, like a third cardio, two thirds weights, um, you know, and it feels good. It's just, it's, it's been good. Um, I wish I was losing more weight or I was like, I mean, I think body image wise, I am, it is nicer to see some muscle definition grow back in and that sort of thing. So that's helpful. But I do wish my weight uh, was lower than it was. Um, muscle weighs more than fat yeah. for you and everyone that's listening to this. I know. Don't be discouraged by the number on the scale. Well, it's more important of how you feel. Well, yeah, yeah. The other thing too is the body fat percentage, which has sort of been stagnant too. So I think that the weight, okay, I can live with body fat percentage. So let's work on getting that down. So for sure um how would you describe your mental health dude it's (laughs) to be honest it's been rough lately the past few weeks or months especially um you know i can't even put my finger on it it's just like it's sort of like got a little worse at one point a few weeks or months ago probably because of covid and being stuck and just the stresses of being an adult and everything and i just feel like it's been like compound interest like it's all just been multiplying on top of each other like little things just get blown way out of proportion and you know it's just it's it hasn't been great and like like i said i feel like i do want to get back into counseling to help with that um because it doesn't seem like these are crazy you know big issues it's just little things get so magnified to the point where it feels like it's unmanageable when it really i don't think it is so um i'm i'm struggling but um you know i'm able i'm able to work like in the grand scheme of things, I'm able to work, I'm able to take care of myself. Like I'm not struggling that hard, but I just feel like I've been sort of at a battle with mental health lately. So, yeah, I think that's something that we're all kind of dealing with now. And, you know, when I was put on furlough and I was starting my new role and I, 
I still don't have access to mental or health care and then mental health specifically is rarely ever covered. I know in your role right now, you don't have any mental health care coverage, right? I mean, I should look into it, but I don't think so um, because I don't want to get too in the weeds. But like, yeah, I think I have pretty basic um, health care. And even if you do have good health care, like most of the like even on my mom's insurance when I was in college, like the counseling was pretty much all out of pocket. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, we need to work on changing that because mental health is just as important as physical health. And, you know, if you, you really can't have one without the other. And yeah, I'm a huge advocate for mental health, if y'all don't already know, by looking at my website and all the projects that I'm working on and the nonprofit that I work with. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Even growing up, like my parents emphasized it a lot because, um, you know, sort of from the other perspective where now I'm talking about how I'm struggling with mental health, but I'm feeling great in the gym. Um, I'd say like in high school, I felt really good, um, like in terms of like, maybe not mental health, but like in, in, uh, school, right? Like, oh, I have really good grades and I'm, I'm really competitive with school and all this stuff. And like, it's just as important though, to make sure like you're, you're in a sport, you're emotionally, you know, building those bonds with your teammates, you're getting in there, you're getting exercise, you're letting your body work out. Um, and my dad's whole thing and part of his cancer, uh, treatment and recovery, um, which he, yes, he unfortunately passed, but he prolonged his original diagnosis by like seven years. A big part of that was, um, and we have a, a fund set up in honor of him, uh, and it's all about mind, body, and soul. And those three serve in harmony, um, your mental health, um, your physical health, and then your emotional or spiritual, however you want to classify it, health. And those all in harmony are super important because you're really not going to make any progress unless your whole body is pushing forward. You know what I mean? So yeah totally um how often do you practice self-care being that your mental health is not where you'd like it to be um not enough honestly like i do things like self-care in terms of like oh like my hobby's playing video games we'll play video games that's great but um i think i do need to spend more time probably meditating probably because i was sort of on a meditation kick like a year or two ago just slowing down just i feel like we're all bombarded with screens so much um one of the one of the best things i will say is taking reese to play with other dogs for like a half hour an hour that's your self-care dude it really is because you're not on your phone you're outside you're enjoying the fresh air you're petting dogs like that that has i think has been helpful and um for sure there's like 10 or 12 dogs that come outside and it's awesome Yeah. yeah Um, we really need to find make our schedules so because we tend to go to the gym around that time so um, it can be tough but uh, yeah oh also I've been putting on face masks a little more regularly and that's been really nice yeah your favorite's um, the peel off kind it's oh, kind of got like so an ASMR to it I think I'm gonna do that after <laughs> this actually I'm gonna take a bath I'm gonna put that on and call it a night practice your self care we got some lavender oh, Epsom salts yes and we did yoga which if we could do that. I, dude, I'd be down to that every day. I don't think that's realistic, but we did yoga. <laughs> it was nice. Um, oh, my God, Reese. She's going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, and then talking about, like, your body and, you know, reproducing, when would you like to have kids? Um, How many would you like to have? Wow. <laughs> I know that's, that's getting really deep there, and you're probably like, Chloe, we haven't even – you know, been together for two full years yet? Um, I mean, we already have a baby. Spoilers. 
well, in, in <laughs> Reese, our dog, uh, who's 11 years old, so not really a baby, but still acts like one. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, I, I don't want to say within the next few years, because I'm not looking in like the next year or two, but probably a few years out from now, I mean, I could definitely see us having serious conversations about that, yeah. Having a more established, like, career, home... <laughs> You know, Friendship. living situation, not uh, job situation, just just more stability, you know. Um, and yeah. also, like, I feel like I have a lot of emotional maturity to, to go through, as I'm sure you'd agree. Um, I'm still learning yeah. how to, you know, adult, you know, and all this stuff. And, you know, so. And how many would you like? I, I'd say three is probably the magic number. So um, not ten? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe no, no. <laughs> So I was trying to think of something clever and I couldn't think of something, but uh, no, not 10. <laughs> you cannot. Oh Putting you on the spot for I the was, negotiation. I was in the airport and it was literally one family in front of me. It was dead day. The family had seven kids and I wanted to die. Like, oh my God. Yeah. What? That's that's kind of mean to Why say that, that you, mean? you wanted to die. Dude, there were seven kids, two parents, and they all were taking up the security and it was so like moving on. <laughs> what are some bad habits or destructive behaviors you have shotgunning questions oh yeah do you want to elaborate a little bit more on what no, you mean I by that get, i get really fixated on stuff and i'll ask a lot of questions um and i'll really sweat a lot of the small things when i really shouldn't um th- those are a lot of the, the not great habits and like i know it's good to question things but questioning things that probably don't matter too much <laughs> especially all the time is is not really good for anybody um Mm -hmm. so yeah what are some good habits or constructive behaviors that you have um i mean i think i'm pretty good about work-life balance in terms of like playing video games when you're not creating video games (laughs) okay i mean like that when you know time is up or whatever like i'm not gonna go crazy on something just because um you know, but then again, if I do end up working somewhere, that might change. So, <laughs> uh, or, you know, I don't know. Um, I think good. Triple A studios. He's looking for a role. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, I was thinking of something. Sorry. I'm totally drawing a blank. Uh, good. Ha- oh, um, exercising, getting into a regular exercise routine. Like I said, I'm really proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, good habits i mean um can you help me out here can you think of any of my good habits oh I'm struggling awkward pause for me too <laughs> no i'm kidding um you're really great about taking care of reese like you make sure that she is fed that she you know goes out and that she makes her friends and you really take care of her like she's an actual baby and you talk yeah. to her all the time and I just, I really admire that. And it makes my heart full that, you know, you treat her as, like, you've had her for 11 years like I have, which oh, which is boy, really incredible. Yeah. And I'm sure she really appreciates that. Yeah, dude, Reese, like, changed my <laughs> life. Like, I was not really a dog person. Ow, a dog person before. There was, like, one dog I watched before her. But, like, I, I wouldn't say I was, like, a dog person yet. Yeah, definitely opened me up. But, like, Reese, it's just, like. She's not a dog, though. Everything. She's, like, a human. Dude, can you calm down, please? She's, like, really hype right now for everyone listening to this podcast. She's, like, raging. She wants to go visit all her friends. Um, Can we take this outside? Can we walk and talk? 
Oh, she's looking at us. Okay, you can put the harness on while I continue to ask you these questions. So, a lot of 20-something-year-olds are described as impulsive and reckless. Do you identify as such? Yeah, dude. I actually, growing up, just personality-wise, it's definitely been impulsive. I think I've done a good job of curbing that back in a lot of respects, but even tonight, we, we had a conversation about, like, wow, Reese, calm down, please, about selling something, and I was really impulsive to, so like, yeah, Chloe, I think this guy, like, this is a pretty good deal, I can sell it right now, he's ready to do it tonight, and it's like, no, just take a breath, and it's gonna be okay, um, so, you know, I, I'd say, like, by nature, yeah, I'm impulsive, but I think I am getting better over time of, like, curbing that back, um, I wouldn't quite say I'm reckless, I don't know, what, do you think I'm reckless? <laughs> Um, no, I, I do think you're overly cautious with yeah. some things, yeah, which can be reckless. Cautious. Yeah, which is sort of the opposite, but then it gets to the point where it's... It is counter, dangerous. Counterproductive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like driving, for example. Like, I'm almost too afraid of, of something going wrong, so then I, I sort of tend to go slower and all that other stuff, and yeah. At what age did you first move away from home? Um, I mean... So home is in like just not living with my parents anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I was um I was eighteen, I think. Yeah. Okay, where did you first move? Um, I first moved to like two hours north of Orlando, to Gainesville, the college town where the University of Florida is. Um, yeah, and I lived there for like about three and a half years. And I know that you said your family paid for your undergrad. Yeah. Did you have any other financial support from your family? Yeah, I mean, so they paid, when I say paid for undergrad, so I had a scholarship that the state sponsored for doing well in school and stuff, and that paid for tuition. Um, and then I had Florida prepaid on top of that, which did come in handy. Um, and then beyond that, though, yeah, like pretty much anything that was school related, like room and board, food was covered you know for the most part so i really didn't have any struggles the only thing i had to worry about was like money for going out or for entertainment or anything like that so i i really had a part-time job for yeah pretty much okay um so and then you paid for college through the scholarship and florida prepaid um and then did you work part-time or full-time while you were in college? Oh, God, no. No way I worked full-time. No, I worked part-time. <laughs> I don't, the most I worked was, like, 12 hours a week. Okay. Um, yeah, and I don't know, man. It's weird because I talk to some people, depending on their degree or the school they went to, they're like, oh, my God, only 12 hours, that's nothing. But, like, for me, that was a big deal because, um, like, that was, like, three hours a day during school days of, like, stuff you know that i needed to study for whatever because i mean it's basically a full-time job going to school so i totally salute people who are doing like Mm -hmm. like engineering degrees and i know it's like the meme or whatever but seriously like being a stem major and then doing like a full-time or near full-time job on top of that like i i totally salute and respect you yeah doing it as a non-stem major is also a heroic act so yeah yeah sure um how how often do you visit your family um, I mean, so obviously it's weird right now with COVID, right? Um, should I just say hypothetically, like non-COVID, you know, if it wasn't well, COVID? Talk about 
Okay, so I mean, if it was, uh, so with COVID, I mean, um, I saw them. Actually, we were fortunate enough to see them literally right before, like right at the start of COVID. Before it really got like serious, we had a trip planned for spring break, essentially, like with my brother and sister when they had their spring break to go skiing in Colorado. And that was like the first week of March. So it was like right before everything started going down. Um, And then we did see them in August. We went to go help um, have one of our roommates move in with us because they're from Florida. So actually, you know, it's been nice to be able to see them, um, you know, like twice. Yeah. Well, and I'd say normally during a non-COVID year, um, I I think that'd be appropriate too. I I can imagine us seeing them maybe for like spring break, summer, um, and then the holidays. So maybe like three, four times a year, I'd say is, is probably what would be normal. Um, which I think is pretty good for living across the country, you know, so. For sure. And as of now, do you rely on your family for finances, social support, or health support? Dude, it's kind of weird. And I, I never really had anyone ask me that. I guess not. I guess I'm totally on my own. <laughs> it just feels weird because, like, I don't know, like, the job, fortunately, that I work is, like, enough to cover things. So I really have never had to struggle or, or feel like, oh, man, like, you know, it, it feels like business as usual. Like if someone could tell me my mom was doing it behind the scenes and I'd be like, okay, I guess. But yeah, no, I'm doing it on my own, I guess. So So would you consider yourself fully independent now at 23 years old? Yeah. I mean, I still have a lot of work to do, but um, yeah, it's just weird. I don't even know why the thought ever really crossed my mind, but yeah, I, I guess, I guess I am and I have been. So yeah. How does that feel? Uh, it feels pretty good. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm really doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to have this interview with me and kind of dive a little bit deeper. It was nice to learn a little bit more about <laughs> you and your thoughts and the way you think through things. It's been a very interesting experience that I'm really grateful for. Um, do you have anything that you would like to let the audience know about yourself last minute wise? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I just, I feel like, especially at the end there, I kept saying, I, 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 I don't want to discredit you that we've done a lot of being, you know, independent together contributing. So, um, I'm really, it's all good. It's about you. (laughs) No, but like, seriously, like, I'm, I'm blessed to have you and, you know, um, yeah, no, thanks for taking the time to talk with me and, uh hear me out for an hour sorry if i didn't answer the questions exactly how you wanted me to or liked it but i'm trying my best so hopefully this is sufficient for your school project i'll make you look too bad but yeah yeah for sure i think i think this was an awesome case study good on yeah. emerging adulthood i think um it's a little bit anecdotal because not everyone is like us but i think it's a great example of understanding a Floridian <laughs> from UF transitioning to Bay Area life. Um, so well, real quick, I actually do have a question for you. How did I do? Like, do you have any feedback for me or like? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the biggest thing that I would say as someone who has <laughs> experienced a lot of mental health issues from depression, anxiety, PTSD from when I was really young and my house burning down and working full time while I was in college myself. Um, I would say definitely prioritize yourself and your self-care because like the way that you treat yourself is how you're going to 
inevitably treat others. Um, yeah, sorry, Reese. They can't prioritize you. <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> prioritize doggy day, day fun time because that is a form of self-care and therapy. Um, but honestly, we should both definitely pursue like mental health counseling i think getting some perspectives from someone outside of ourselves is really important and getting better coping mechanisms from (laughs) someone who isn't your partner is probably pretty impactful so i would say like this is supposed to be like the time of our lives (laughs) or whatever so i would just urge us to continue to be you know fearless in our growth and excited to make an impact on the world and remain positive because there is so much negativity out there and oh yeah it's important that we realize that we can do so much good for the world if you know we put our focus there yeah look just to wrap up like if you take away anything from this (laughs) do you know what i'm gonna say what live life to make 10 year old you proud okay (laughs) it's not worth doing anything else Right on. I can't wait to time travel with you then. That sounds good. <laughs> all right. See you all on our next episode. I have no idea what it's going to be yet, but feel free to send me an email or text me or call me. Have a great night.